So here at Addict Static, we give a lot of advice, but we are not um, above hearing constructive criticism. And that's part of today's topic, uh, continuous learning. And no matter how awesome you, you think you are, and we are pretty awesome, uh, there's probably a little bit more to learn. So uh, today we have a guest uh, with us, uh, Brian, who has about 20 to 25 years experience in advertising and marketing in Manhattan uh, with various firms, various uh, senior positions. Uh, so first, I think maybe let's just try and establish a little bit of his credibility background first. Uh, Brian, maybe you could just share some highlights. Yeah, for, first and foremost, like who the hell are you guys? And <laughs> what the hell am I doing? We are at ecstatic. Mm. I thought we stated started with that, right? Yeah, well, we're at ecstatic, and and really, this is kind of an excuse for the, the five of us to to hang out and and, and yeah. yap about stuff and blame this all on uh, our, our, our Gen Z and millennial um, producers who <laughs> thought this might be a good idea. We completely disagree, but that's why we're here. <laughs> yeah, I questioned who would actually listen to us when they first came through with the idea. I said, come on, we're just regular guys. Is, you know, is anyone really going to listen to us, you think? And regular like, oh, guys, come on. <laughs> and, and, and see how bad we are? The question was, who are you guys? So I am Adam. Oh, I'll be Gary today. <laughs> I'm Johnny. And I am Ed. And remotely and we Ray. have... Oh, yeah, we got Ray. Go ahead. I'm Ray. Hi, Ray. I'm Ray. Hello. <laughs> All right. And, and what the second question, what you're doing here is to, uh, once we're convinced that you actually have some legitimate background, uh, you're here to give us advice. Tell us what we're doing right. Tell us what we're doing wrong. Um, tell us that, no, we're not suffering from imposter syndrome. It's, it's really, you know, you guys really are imposters. Whatever you think is uh, helpful. Okay. Um, so as far as my background, I mean, you pretty much summed it up. I've been in advertising for the last 26 years, and I've been trying to figure a way to get the hell out of it for the last 25 and a half. <laughs> um, with good reason. It's not, a, uh, it's not as glamorous a profession as it's uh, made out to be in a lot of cases. It's is, actually, it, is it made out to be glamorous? Because I... I in the movies, it seems pretty I mean, cool. I got into it thinking it would be all, you know, wine, women, and song, and just it just wasn't that case. Just wine and women. So it's not like the movie What Women Want, not like the Mel Gibson. No, you know, it did start out, when I started, it was a bit like Mad Men. Oh. Now, in my first year in advertising, it, when I first started, I really did think it was going to be this world of glamour and excitement, and there was... Um, one occasion I'll, I'll just bring up was I, I ended up in a, a penthouse in the plaza on a Wednesday at 6 a.m. waking up in a bathtub with no recollection as how I got there, <laughs> right? And that was actually not uncommon for the early 90s um, in advertising. Um, so it was a very different world. It is it has come a long way. I mean, when I first started, it was all newspaper, magazines, billboards, um, podcasts didn't come around until, um, you know, the last eight to 10 years. Um, and they've really exploded in the last, you know, five or six, I would say, I think, um, there were some doubts as to whether or not the pandemic was going to squash them. Cause one of the primary ways that people would listen was when they're commuting. Right. And when people stopped commuting, would podcasts actually suffer? That's not really the case. Right. There's there's a huge audience out there for podcasts. Um, and I think in the younger generations, it's become almost second nature to have it as background noise, much like when we grew up, we were probably just listening to the radio. Right. And, you know, you'd have your little tape recorder listening for certain songs and like <laughs> trying to record them. But now, you know, you've got everything on demand um, and the younger generation's a bit more curious than us. They've got many more avenues to get information and podcasts has become incredibly popular with the younger generation. So, so wait, let me just interrupt a second. So when, when you're not working on um, the plumbing on a bathtub, how much, how much money flows through your desk or on your, on your projects, how much money are you allocating to different uh, uh, mediums on a typical day or a typical project? What are we talking about? I mean, I, that's a very loaded question. That's going to depend significantly. I mean, one of my my last clients was the largest tax preparer in the world, right? I'm not going to mention their name, but you could probably guess who that might be, right? We spent um, well over 150 million in four months during that, tax that, season. That's about how much um, the podcast here is pulling maybe in. Maybe a better you know, round, rounding maybe, up to the nearest 150 million. Maybe something better would have been to ask them in what 
not as much the money, but in what sec- segments did you put it in? Well, that's that's where, where I'm going to. When you have that kind of money, it's more of where you're not going to put it, right? And you have to think, you have to st- always start with the audience, right? That's the first thing you need to think about, which is what I would say to you all is like the first thing you need to think about is who your end user is, who's the audience going to be, and why should they give a shit about what you're saying, right? Um, and you know, the, the first thing you always have to think about is whether or not your audience is actually using the medium that you're you're communicating in. So when, when I was thinking about where to place budgets, the first thing I think about is where's the audience? You know, how am I going to motivate them? Right? What what are their what are their needs? Like what am I going to fulfill for them? One of the biggest mistakes that content creators make, and this is one I think we, you can talk about um, a little bit further, is um, what I call um, field of dream syndrome. If you build, they'll come. Yeah. If you build it, they'll come. That's what Stevie told us. Yeah. (laughs) So it's another way to put it would be marginal value theorem, right? Like in order to get people to come, what you're providing them has to provide more value to them than what they would have been doing otherwise. Right. So what is, what is your audience doing right now? Right. Where are they getting the information that you're trying to provide? You've got to be more valuable than them. And I'd suggest the way to do that would be really succinct, be funny, you know, be amusing. Um, and you have to think about the, uh, the audience of the mind, the, the mindset of the audience. My daughter and I are his, history buffs. Right. On the way here, we were listening to a podcast from 1852. Right, we have, have old, podcasts and yeah, I have an old car, so it's got an old radio. So it's got a lot of old stations, right? Fantastic. Yeah, so we were like, let's tune into the finance station, right? Hmm. So we tuned into these five guys, right, from 1852, and they're talking to the younger generation. Yeah, like, what were they? There was a Cooper, a cobbler, a, 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 a cartographer, and like a blacksmith or something, right? And they're telling the younger generation, you got to learn our trade, right? You got to, and this will get you to earn money. Then you open up your own blacksmith shop. You open up your own cobbler shop, right? It's like the next generations, like Tesla and Marconi were in that next generation. They're listening to that going, what the hell are they talking about? <laughs> Like blacksmith's <laughs> going to be gone. Like I'm inventing electricity. Marconi's like, yeah, I'm going to use that shit to create radio. Like I'm not going to go make shoes. Like it's going to be a completely different world that, 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 that next generation was going into, you know, um, it's a shame too. Cause my daughter really wanted to be a cartographer, but like, that's what I think you need to think about is the fact that you're talking about models and ways that you've generated your own personal success that I don't think is going to exist for the next generation. Like you talked a bit about college. You talked about not going to college in your last podcast, hmm. right? How many of our podcasts have you listened to? One. <laughs> one. Okay. So one. we have a chance to recover. That's a good yeah, thing. No, that's a fair point. All yeah, because right, so, it's very different, which is we, I didn't think I, it would go different, but it did. So. I, I think it's easy to agree that like in, in 200 years, yeah, things are going to be completely different and what we say is going to be completely irrelevant. But do you really think in 20 to 30 years, what we have and what we're doing today is going to be essentially irrelevant? Do you think the speed with which technology is advancing is increasing? So I, I'm going to slow down. We need a pushback card from... I'm going to push back. No. So what we've been pushing is not go to college, learn something, be successful in a career. It's don't rely on just a salary mm-hmm. to be successful. And that's going to probably be going on forever. I mean, you're always going to want to be able to figure out ways to make money outside of just a job, whether you went to college to get this job or something else. Yeah, And whether it's paper, metals or crypto, whatever the medium is. But, but real quick, maybe we should have talked about it before. Can we listen to his point of view completely and take notes, or should we should we hit at every no, that's one fight, that you've got? Well, <laughs> go at it. I hear what, oh. uh, no. Go ahead, Ed. I was just going to say, you know, do we just let if we're getting pissed off, let that like boil over, or do we let let the steam well, out no as we go? Off. No, I'm not getting. Listen, pissed if we can have a conversation about religion uh, one of these times, I don't think this is going to be that upsetting. Yeah, I think I, let the Steve out a little bit. Oh, of the I time. know where this is coming from. I thought you guys were a bit agreeable on the last. <laughs> I think you need people to come in and argue. I, that's what I think. Because then you're going to get richer to debate. You're going to get better stuff. So I'm coming in contrarian, and I may not even believe what I'm saying. I may be a more aligned. <laughs> I think, but I'm just trying to make this a little bit. You know, I want to get a little bit deeper. See, I actually like understanding of, of contrary what you really point of think. views if it's accurate, though. So don't make yeah. it up. Well, <laughs> if, if 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 you truly feel it's accurate, I want to hear it. Like I want I want. I want to, I want well, to with see that question, do, do we think the pace of technology 
evolution is increasing or decreasing. I think we all agree it's increasing. Yeah. I agree with what you're saying, yes. right? In fact, we went to a, a museum recently when we were on vacation and they had you know some information on there saying that the students that are in college now, the jobs that they're going to be in, they aren't even there yet. They haven't been created. And so I think there's a lot of truth to what you're saying. But I think as much as things change, such as your example, you know, the 1850s, the cobbler, the blacksmith, there are certain things that that blacksmith had, certain traits in their character that that younger generation still needs, self-discipline, motivation, mm -hmm. responsibility, accountability, and that won't change. And I'm going to tie this right back to religion, Gary. Go ahead. <laughs> so the value of, of all good mythologies, organized religions included, is... The patterns, that the patterns are repeatable, right? So the blacksmith may still have the same type of business challenges or issues with customers as the software developer might have, or the guy who runs the you know shop that sells levitation equipment or teleportation equipment, yeah. right? So it's the patterns that, that do repeat if you believe that people really don't change a whole lot. So I think we need to let Ray jump in because I know when you're not here, it's harder to speak. So Ray, I'm sure you have something to say. Well, I would say I, I kind of agree with you guys, but I also agree with Brian, right? That, that things are going to change. So depending on what you talk about, right? If you're talking about the the traits that Adam just described, you know, people's business traits, right? Those are probably going to have to be there no matter what. But there's other things Brian might be, have been talking about, like, you know, when we're talking about like investing for your future, right? Well, is the stock market still going to be there or in a form that makes sense to, to what we're saying? You know, we don't know, right? Maybe AI turns it on its head and becomes worthless, because it's predictable at that point. So um, I think it goes both ways. And I think the other thing to Brian's point that he was mentioning about things changing, I think the outlook, the uh, priorities and values of the younger generation may change. For instance, they might feel, wow, we just had COVID a couple of years ago. No one saw that coming. And so why am I really going to focus on saving for the future? Why don't I just live it up now? Because who knows what's coming in three, three more years. And so their attitudes and their values and priorities might be a little bit different than ours is. And that's not to say that it's right or wrong. It's just simply different. I still think we got to give this generation the fundamentals just like we learned them. And I can tell you one thing in my industry, I mean, electricians, plumbers, welders, control technicians, the average age of them is like 58, 60, and they're not going anywhere. If you could tell me how some, some you know, Elon Musk is going to invent the way that you don't need plumbing, you don't need <laughs> transference of all this thing, then I'd have this conversation. But I, I think my reason for at least wanting to Obviously, you know, if you listen to different podcasts, it's because our family has a lot of kids. You want to you want you know, you want them to, to start to think the same way. But all of the generation that I know in our circle, and I'll take this town, they're broke. For lack of a better word, they have no money. They have much. I don't want to say like I think we, we talked about trying to. I don't want to say no ambition, but their their point of view is different than mine. But still, you still got to go to the store. You still got to take some type of money out of your pocket and pay for what you want. And they, it just seems like, I don't see how they're gonna get to that point, married to that sort of lax point of view, right? So we have to put out there what jobs are available, which ones are, are more lucrative than others. These are the tools that we use and hopefully will evolve in their brain to put it into context to the things that are real in their life. But you're kind of making a value judgment there too on, on what folks want, right? Maybe laying on the couch all day, you know, because because I'm a gamer eating Fritos and, and, and getting fat is what I love. And you know what? Yeah, it's unhealthy. I may die before my 35th birthday, but that'd be an awesome life. I'm all for it. That's but, great. I don't need to take If they're not able to pay their bills every month, they can't be too happy. Well, fair point. I know right. a few of them fair is point. what I'm getting to. Like, I know a few of them. I've been able to follow them from, you know, when I met them when they were 20, 21, and now they're 30. They're completely different. And now they're listening to what I told them when they were 21. They're like, I should have listened, right? So really, we're just There's trying to- There's only a podcast, so tell these people now. <laughs> well, I mean, think about it. What do you do? If you don't say anything, how's it going to evolve? How is it going to you know, sit in that brain and sort of bounce around until maybe 30, maybe 35, maybe 45? Yeah. Well, and maybe that's, that's part of the appeal, right? We, we make some uh, statements on our webpage about- early retirement and that can be appealing even if you're on the couch gamer eating Fritos, right? And listening to the podcast is how to get there really. And it, it is about discipline. I don't know if we've had an episode on discipline yet, but mm -hmm. discipline 
it can can be to a fault at, at, at some point. Do you have any examples of you know, tough days at work that you had to, um, you know, work against some type of adversity uh, to get to a point of relative success at the end of the day? Sure. I've had plenty. Before I get into any of those stories, I did want to say just one thing, because I, I, Johnny, I like totally get what you're saying. I, th- I completely agree with you. I think what it is, is there are universal truths that are going to transcend generations, right? There are things that, traits that people can have. I guess discipline could be one. I would say the most defining traits of anyone being successful in any generation, any time in history would be ambition and curiosity, right? Mm-hmm. If you got those, you're golden, right? If you don't have those, I don't care what you do. You're just not going to progress, right? So there are things you can apply in different generations. But when you get into the details, like that's where everything gets muddled because, you know, I, th- my daughter's generation, right? We're talking now, we're getting into preteen and lower than that. There's just this massive wave of depression because the view of the future is horrendous, right? All they're hearing is the climate's getting destroyed. You know, there's war all over the world, right? There's nothing you can do about it. So their mindset has to shift, right? Not from how do you fix the world's problems? Because that's, I think, where Gen Z right now is really stuck. Like, that's a hell of a burden to put on them. Like, they're not necessarily so focused on just the, um, how do I get to financial security? It's like, how am I going to freaking survive, right? Because like, the world's going to hell fast, right? According to everything mm-hmm, they're mm-hmm. hearing. So the mindset of, of trying to fix all these problems, I think is what's causing all the depression, right? And, and I think I that's would a good get point. The, yeah, and I would get towards like the, a new mindset should be adaptation, right? Like ambition and curiosity are the traits, but the vision should be all about adaptation. Those that can figure out the way to adapt to the changing climate or to adapt to the changing political structures, they're the ones that are going to be the most successful in the future. So I, I, I'm on board with that because I was, I was going to say, well, this generation has, has a reason to be depressed. Yeah. There are a lot of things that are effed up that are going on, and it, it is an unfair burden. So adaptability to the extent that one can adapt to this. Will it be a situation that is you know, beyond adaptation? I don't know, but I, I tend to agree with that. So I think, uh, you, you know, what are the old three R's, reading, writing, arithmetic? I, I think the, the new three R's is, is more about um, resilience, right? Relationships. And I think, what, what's another R word for adaptation? Resourcefulness, maybe, yeah. right? That, that's, that is what it's going to come down to. And I'm glad you brought that point up, Brian. You know, earlier this week, I actually read this great quote that states, life is a journey to be experienced, not a problem to be solved. And it came from one of the great thinkers of our time, Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you started off with a saying that- Wait, you know, we had a dad joke in there. Or, or don't you mean one of the great stinkers of all time? <laughs> okay, there we go. I think we have to always make time for Ray to jump in. Otherwise, he yeah. won't feel- Ray, yeah. what do you got to say? Wake up, What Ray. I have to say? So-, so so I wanted to backtrack uh, on something that Adam and Brian said. So you've mentioned adaptation and you also mentioned, you know, that the jobs of the future won't even exist and all that kind of stuff. And, and Adam was using an example, a, a gamer sitting on the couch eating Fritos, right? Um, like that is something that's really di- was disturbing to me a while ago, right? When, when Noah was, you know, trying to play video games and wanted to play all the time and he was really good and wanted to play and become a pro and all that kind of stuff. And, and we fought it like, you know, to tooth and nail. Um, but let's face it, like there's going to be gaming platforms out there that are professional. They already are, right? People are going to make a lot of money at, and, and those are jobs that, that will exist in the future. And there'll be pro players just like Michael Jordan or anybody else. There's going to be pro gamers that are at that level and make that kind of money and have that kind of, you know, popularity. So how do you feel um, about crushing your son's dreams and f- hopes for financial security? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's exactly the, that's it. Right. I've got right? So tons I, of clients who have paid gamers six figures to sponsor them. Wow. Six figures exactly, from known right? brands to, to and, associate and like, with gamers. Yeah. And I have, it, it comes and goes, right? I have these, these, these thoughts about like, did I screw it up? Should I have let Noah, you know, go do those things? Um, and I, I have my back, not convinced yet that I made that we made the wrong decision, but I still don't know if it was the right decision. Right. Um, so we should all just be conscious of the fact that we don't actually know what we're talking about all the time for this, with this stuff. Right. That's very true. We, we were at Philadelphia Comic Con. We made such a claim either, right? Yeah. The, the, no, but um, you, you mentioned obviously this podcast, right? So in in your arena, in, in the realm of advertising, how is it used? How is it promoted? How is how do they use it for promotion? 
have you ever had a client that had a podcast that wanted it advertised? Is there anything you could give on in this specific uh, arena? I've had clients do both. Uh, predominantly, they will sponsor podcasts, right? Um, and I would say the most successful uh, advertisers within podcast have, have used the talent within the podcast to promote the product live, right? Live read. When you insert a pre-recorded ad, Nobody pays attention. Mm. Skip right through it, right? The most successful podcasts, you know, they have a formula and, and a structure to them. And I would say that's something we, we should talk about here is putting in a little bit more structure. I've only listened to, to one podcast and I'm obviously participating in this one. I don't know what your roles are. And I think that's something that you should figure out, like, you guys are a pretty good-looking boy band, but I need to know who the lead singer is. I know, need to know who the jock is. I need to know, like, you know, who's the romantic, right? Who's the fashionista? Like, you guys have to have defined roles so that when people are listening, they know what they're going to get from Ed. They know what they're going to get from you, Gary. Like, that's what you need. You need to have these defined roles, these defined personas, um, you know, and that, that means that sometimes you're probably not going to voice an opinion on a place where you might want to interject because your role is going to be a little little bit different. I think having those defined personas so people know what they're going to get, people are going to identify so with different al Almost the same as a as a radio show. Absolutely. Right? Like Absolutely. you always knew, you know, in the morning show who's who, the funny one, the serious one, the tech one. Yeah. I think you need that. I think you need to um, define the structure of the show a little bit more because you want to break it up into sections, right? So today we're going to talk about X and Y and Z. First, we're going to talk about X. Complete X, move on to Y. Complete Y, move on to Z. And then wrap it all up, right? Tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them, and then tell them what you told them, right? I, I think he now. might be saying we suck. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> no, it's an evolution. It's, it's a evolution. work in progress, man. Yeah. It's okay. Fair point. No, but I like it. Yeah. I mean, if we're here, you know, trying to, you know, lead the younger generation in terms of, you know, what they should do and how they should, you know, have their mindset, then part of that mindset is being open to criticism and open to feedback. So we ourselves need to model that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree. Yep. So who's the, who's the fashionista? That's scary. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. I couldn't get underwear on for today's. <laughs> <laughs> no, let's talk about that me. For, let's talk about that for a second. I guess you know if I would, Ed might be the the easiest one not to put in a box, but but in terms of just consistency, religious background. I, I know where your moral compass is all the time. Um, I know that we're not going to get many, if any, f bombs out of you. <laughs> Um, Fun and know. fantastic will fly out of my mouth all the time. <laughs> there, there you go. So it's, it's, it's wholesome Ed. It's wholesome Ed. All right, guys. So I, that, that was the, the easy one. I'll leave uh, the, the rest of the four to, to you. Uh, I mean, I guess the, the key would be, you know, maybe he doesn't uh, know the origin, but the origin of this, even though he said at the start, was more Ray. Right? He had the formula in his head. Right? So he, he asked for help. And in variety of levels, the house, the room, whatever. But um, I think the beauty of the podcast is that a lot of people can't be sort of put in that thing. That's why you lend your, your advice to other people for different reasons, right? So if you need it, I think it more becomes like a, um, almost like a gimmick, yeah. you know? And I, I would ask Ray, does he even want it to be associated with certain gimmicks? <laughs> before we well, even decided I, I, to go that route. And I, and I don't know if, if um, when, when Brian said that, if it needs to be extremely strict, but I, if we play along for a minute, um, I'll say, look, when, when the, the origin of this first was somebody who can talk about anything related to fixing stuff, right? And that's Johnny, right? right. Electrical, plumbing, HVAC, blah, blah, blah. So he's the, he's the fixer, he's the engineer. Or whatever. I don't know what the word is or what the role is, like Brian, if you have any advice, but he's the fixer. Right. Um, so we got to wholesome Ed, fixer Johnny. So we got wholesome Ed, fixer Johnny. <laughs> right. Then there was Gary. Right. The I'm Gary. The extremely extremely healthy, physically fit, humorist of the group. Right. Um, so that was that's what I thought about for Gary. Adam is the generally speaks better than most people. Knows a little bit about everything and a lot about lots of things. Um, and is going to always say something unexpected. Um, so that's the role no, he played. No, I'm not. 
And uh, and as for me, as, as for me, uh, I don't really, I don't really have anything that I'm special at. I think I'm just the guy that glues things together. Well, I think it could be so, a realistic Ray. I would because I think we've only seen you. I would say Ray. realistic, unjudgmental Ray. Yeah, but, he accepts uh, everything. Practical. Yes. Realistic, emotionless, logical, <laughs> realistic Ray. Yeah. Right. And I will give a little pushback on that, you know, recommendation, Brian, about the, uh, the roles, you know, in terms of the boxes, you know, we put ourselves in. When we had our original meeting, we were just kind of talking through things. We had a few Gen Zers in the room. And at the end, I thought to myself, well, come on, that had to be boring for them to listen to. And we asked them, what did you guys think? And that small little sample of Gen Zers said, wow, that was great. And I said, come on, really? You know, why would you say it's great? And they said, because it was organic. In which case, I had to go home and ask my kids, what does that mean, organic? Like, that's usually something I see in the health food store. And then we say, Dad, that means real, authentic. And I was like, well, I was just talking with my friends for like a half hour. And they're like, yeah, that's what they want. We want things to be organic. And so, although I certainly think your feedback is great, you know, with your experience in marketing, I question if everybody else is doing that in order to separate ourselves and set us apart, that if we are truly organic and not setting ourselves within a box, Maybe that might be our niche right there. But just the same, we can't just be some five-headed monster where we're all saying the same kind of thing, right? But we're not. Yeah, we're, we're not. We're not. I, I guess in our the course of our natural conversation, do those five different perspectives manifest enough? Or is it something we should refine just a little bit? I think, at least from the episodes that we've had so far, the nice thing about it is that we are different. But what it really models for the listeners, young and old, is that we disagree on a lot, and yet we come together for the things that we do agree on, and we disagree respectfully, which I think doesn't really exist so, too much. But but I'm thinking I feel like we're straying from what Brian was saying. It sounded like Brian was talking about us and having you know roles just because of who we are, and I think we all have those. Um, it doesn't mean that it would change the topics of conversation or what we're trying to the points we're trying to make. Right. right. So, Brian, what, what do you what do you I think about that? I understood it that way well, too. Right? Wait, let me before we get the real answer from Brian. You know, maybe it's something that's already happening, and just to guide the audience, there's a reference to Ed as wholesome Ed. <laughs> but then what if I drop an F bomb and say that's fantastic? You nev it's never. I'm not sure if you've ever done that. It's never going to happen. And if we say, but if it did happen, it would be extraordinary. Right. right. And then if we, when we, if we refer to Fixer Johnny, he doesn't have to change anything he's doing because most of what he's talking about is about kind of looking at things from the, the mechanical perspective about how to fix things. I think on our 55 minute discussion on ceiling <laughs> Now fans, it went to 55. Yeah, we, we, <laughs> we went from we 30 to, to 35. <laughs> we got to add five minutes every time, Johnny. <laughs> it's like the so, big fish story. You know, it gets bigger every gets time. Bigger. Johnny, um, you know, corralled at least 45 minutes of that for himself by fixing <laughs> a ceiling fan. So I, I think it, it may be simply a matter of just kind of pushing the, I don't like the word label, but just giving the audience a little more reference by, by using those right. monikers every once in a while. I, I don't know. And then us not having to do anything different because we're already coming at it from that perspective. But do you see anything coming down in the industry that we would then spend all this time, structure ourselves and be like, podcasts are obsolete. This is coming next. Is there something like that that exists? Or well, I'm, I'm terrified of AI. Right. I think that's going to disrupt everything. There's no reason I couldn't create five personas with five AI generated points of view that couldn't sit around and have like these little voice boxes talk to each other. Right. That, that's coming. Don't get any ideas, Stevie. We need our paychecks. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, there's, I, that, that's going to come across all but, channels. Like the okay, so that's like that's the extreme, now, right? right? But you is there AI, right? Is me. there any other media that exists that's similar? Because that, I'll be honest, I, I don't I don't hear podcasts. I don't. That's not a habit that I have. So it's like even this is like, oh yeah, I, I know that they do it. You see it on Instagram, a lot of little snippets of, of video. Is there anything else that people no, are doing? Ed, Ed, you nailed it, right? Authenticity. This is this is the medium where you're getting that, right? Social media, like Instagram, TikTok, that's all fake, right? People are, are spending three hours to get one shot for Instagram, right? Having an in-depth, real conversation, like this is the place that's happening, right? And, and I, I agree, like it, it is all about this authenticity and, and, and you guys are, are killing it on that. What, I, what I'm getting at is 
when I was listening, and, and again, you know, I'm, I'm an audience of one from a, from a podcast of one, right? One episode that hearing more of a defined difference between you y'all on topics was a little bit more challenging in that one. And over time, I'm sure I'd be able to tease that out on my own. But Adam, when you're talking about it's just adding the structure, like I would, I would suggest, you know, the lead singer, a host, guiding the questions and addressing each of you by name and framing the questions in a way that would draw out your persona more. So, you know, if I was phrasing the question to you, Johnny, I'd be coming at it from more right, of that, right. you know, that hands-on, like, right. you know, understanding how to fix things. I would come at it from a different perspective than if I was asking, you know, Adam, who has an engineering background on how to fix something, you know, maybe more theoretical, right? right. Um, so it's just about, like, framing it a little bit more and, and putting a little bit more structure on, on how things are discussed, how the questions are framed, just so that the audience gets a better understanding of, okay, now I know who's talking. And I know the perspective that it's going to come from. So let me let me give that a shot. So, for example, I might ask Ed, hey, Ed, will I burn in hell for A, B, C, and D? Whereas I would ask Johnny, Johnny, will I get electrocuted if I do this or that? And I would ask Gary, Gary, if I go from running seven-minute miles to four-minute miles overnight, am I going to bust my heart open and, and, and die? Right? So it, it each focuses on their own yes. kind of background. Right. Okay. I think I just wiped myself out three times there. But. <laughs> so, Brian, you know, I was going to ask you, I think that is a really good point, you know, that you were making about trying to draw out each other's, you know, personalities with the questions that we ask. And I think that's something that we can definitely do moving forward. And I think Gary also made a good point earlier about making sure that the person's not present. It's hard to kind of get a, a word in. So what do you think on that, Ray? Wait, Ray, before you go, I, I, the question for you would be, should I do any of these things? And you'd give me the realistic answer. <laughs> no, no, and no. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm taking lots of notes. Um, I do agree uh, with Gary. That it's a little bit harder. Um, and I was going to make sure, I, 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 I made a mental note that I was going to, be part of the discussion, right? And not be left out just because I'm remote. Um, and it's still hard. Um, so, so we do have to, I think the structure thing is, is a, is a good point. Um, and I do have notes on this, Brian. So appreciate it. So Brian, how do you feel about segments? A couple of times we were talking about trying to incorporate segments into the show. What are your thoughts on that? Absolutely. Yeah. The, the average human attention span is like, equal to a goldfish, right? It's like seven, eight seconds. So that a, much? an hour long block, about right? I know, right? <laughs> so an hour long block, that's a long time to for, for you all to actually stay focused on a topic and have a meaningful discussion, right? Without zoning out. It's equally as hard for a, a listener, right? Like probably even more so because most people are doing something else while they're listening, right? So breaking it up into bite-sized segments is, is a lot more valuable. It also helps you in the future, right? If you have, um, if you've touched on the same topic in eight different episodes, what if you want to do like a compilation episode later? If you've got them in these nice, cool little segments that you can just put them all together and be like, here's all the times we talked about this particular topic. That's a great right? point. Like it makes it easier in the future to do fun stuff like that. Too. So what about segment length? I mean, clearly it's got to be more than seven seconds, less than an hour. Two, so two questions. Nine seconds. What's, no. Two it's questions. Between. It's what's, in the range. What's, what's the ideal length, and does it need to be relatively constant, or can it? How, how long do you want your show to be? Typically, an hour. I think it was supposed so, to be forty-five minutes to an hour. I think an hour is too long. I think an hour is too long. I don't as think well. it. I'm hanging out talking with my friends. They just record me for whatever like, time they want. <laughs> yeah, I would say whatever you want it to be, man. Record double. Like we do. Yeah, I'll absolutely. tell you that we, I listen we sit to, here as long as we keep going. I listen but, to podcasts that I really like but they're two to three hours. And every time, like, I don't even want to listen. I can't get into it for that long unless I'm driving. And how often are you driving for two or three hours? Right. So I don't listen to them as much. So, so is, it, to... is it 30 minutes? Is it 45 minutes? I like 30 to 40. And then does it need to be the same every seconds. time? Then because if I, this is great. I got a 33 minute commute. It's perfect time for I get my podcast in. But if our episodes are 30 minutes, then 43 minutes, then 20 minutes, then 50 minutes. I don't, I don't think that's going exactly. to screw me up. No. Well, that's the question for, for, our, for our expert. Is, is that important to have relatively similar durations? No. Okay. Yeah, you cover a topic. What do we need him for? Gary knew the answer to that. Make sure yeah. it's interesting. Right. So. When you when it's no longer interesting, you end it. So Brian, I have a question for you that I've been wrestling with since we started this. So when they asked me about the podcast, I said, Well, what's a podcast? And I don't really listen to any. 
So since then, a few folks have mentioned to me, oh, maybe you should listen to a podcast. And my thought has been, well, I don't want to do that because if I'm going to be authentic, then I need to be me. I don't want to listen to a podcast and try and be somebody else because nah, clearly that's not that's me. That's like saying I'm not going to, I want to be an actor, but I'm never going to watch a TV show or a movie because I don't, I don't want to. But I love my job and I have no desire to give up or change what I'm doing for a living. So what are your thoughts on that? Do you think we should be watching podcasts to get pointers and ideas or do you think just be yourselves? I, it doesn't matter. Either way. I mean, I, I like listening to them just because I'm hearing authentic voices, right? And I'm getting news and information that I'm not going to get in other places because you're getting the depth. Um, and I do hear things that influence the way that I think constantly, more so than I would if I was getting my information from other sources, right? So there are other financial podcasts out there. There are tons of them. I think so it would be interesting me, to listen to them so you could know, like, what are they missing? This is my thoughts when you listen to other people doing what we're doing, similar, like financial stuff. And then we're not only doing financial. Is that it's, hey, I have $20 million, and I'm going to tell you how to make $20 million. And we're like, no, we just are successful enough that we could retire or have comfortable lives, and here's all you need to do. So it's a lot more simple mm -hmm. and and what more, more people can do. And, and we're not selling... Well, we, I guess we are selling a product, but the product we're selling is kind of self-improvement, confidence in yourself, have the courage to go against the grain. We're not selling some book for 1995 or some magic pill for 29.95. Where can I get that? I'm out. <laughs> so I, I just want to take a Where step back. Where do you think I got my money from? <laughs> no, kidding. I would like to know a little bit more about you, Brian. We know that you are in um, advertising, but beyond that, tell us a little bit more. Well, I'm actually no longer in advertising as of a month ago. You're what? No longer in advertising as of a month ago. Are you retired? Semi. I am actually uh, going to be starting my own business. Um, I'm incorporating next week. No, well, well, let, let, let's go back to the exit from uh, advertising. Yeah. Uh, what are the details on All that? All right. So, well, like I said, I've been doing it for 26 years. I've been looking for a way to get out for 25 and a half. Um, <laughs> well, you've I, been very poorly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you know, and it, it, it's all about... Um, you guys have mentioned it, having the balls to like do something different, right? Being a little bit brave, like putting a little bit more faith in yourself to do something different. You know, I, I, I rose through the ranks. I made it to senior partner, VP, whatever the titles, right? Like you, the titles don't mean anything, but um, you know, I was, I was very successful, you know, ran departments. I ran all of Canada for a while for one agency. Um, and you could almost see it from your office, as I understand. Where was your office? Well, I had... My last office was in Freedom Tower, 66th floor. Nice views. Um, but um, yeah, I, I, uh, at 40, I promised myself, this is it. I'm done. I'm getting out at 40. But I had no idea what I wanted to do. Like I, I was like, this is all I know what to, how to do. I don't know how to start a business. I don't know how to change careers. I'm stuck. This is what I'm doing. Making good money. I'll just struggle through it. Um, I decided, okay, I'll, I'll change my, my agency. I'll move to another agency. I'll, I grew up in large agencies, big fancy clients. I'm gonna move to a small agency. That'll be my big change. What was the struggle, that you didn't like the work, or that it was too hard, or that the people in the industry, or the hours, like what was the struggle? So it's extremely cutthroat, severely corporate and political, right? Um, and it is, uh, there are very few jobs at the top of the food chain. Right. There's a million people at the bottom and it really narrows down every couple of years. You look around and, you know, you're getting older and older. By the time I was 40, I was one of the oldest people in the agency. Wow. By the time I was uh, at 40. When was it? 42. I decided I'm done with the big agency life. I'm going to move to a small agency. Um, so I did. Turns out the only person in that agency older than me was the CEO. So I walked in and I was the only parent in the agency. 42 is pretty old. For advertising, it's extremely old. And I was the only parent in the agency. So, you know, now, now I'm looking around and I'm like, I'm old enough to be the father to some of the kids <laughs> here. And, you know. And you I'm may have been, depending on what happened in the bathtub. Wait, that we, could be. Can we back yeah. one second? How old are you? Are we allowed to ask that? I just turned 50 a month ago. <laughs> Happy birthday. Happy belated birthday. Oh, Thank wow. You. So you changed uh, so jobs younger. for your 50th birthday. Essentially, I did. But um, so what, what happened was I went to a smaller agency. I had risen to the, the top of the agency, essentially. I, I still had my, my CEO, but it was essentially 
he and myself running the agency for the most part. Um, the way that it was presented to me was that he was the head of the business. If he left, all the clients would leave. But I was the heart of the business. If I left, all of the, the talent would leave, right? Which is you know, why I was able to, to survive as long as I did, is I put the focus on where I did have energy, where I did still have ambition and curiosity, which was managing teams, growing people, um, you know, focusing on developing, uh, developing talent. Um, the challenge is when you're in a small agency, you can't just do the things that you love. You've got to do other things that suck. And that's true of any job, right? Mm -hmm. And that comes with the territory. And that's where the stress starts to build up, right? People say, follow your passions. Like, I, honestly, like I never had passion for advertising. Not once I have passion for the actual advertising. I had passion for the people. I had passion for the talent, passion for the people I worked with. Um, I was put in charge of all of Canada. Um, when I was 46. Could you see it from your window on the 67th floor? No, at Maybe this time Montreal? I could not. So I actually had offices in, in Toronto and in Montreal. Very nice. So um, in March, about one week after my 46th birthday, I was on a, a dual trip where I went to Toronto and then Montreal. Um, in Montreal, I was visiting my team there and having dinner at a steakhouse. Of course, a steakhouse with um, with my clients because during dinner at the steakhouse, while clogging my arteries, I ended up having multiple heart attacks during the dinner. Oh my goodness! Didn't know it. I knew I felt like crap, but I didn't know what it was. It's never like what they tell you see in the movies, right? In the movies, it's like always the dude grabbing the chest or like whatever. Now I was just like, oh man, I just got to take a dump or something. Like I, I you know, you don't know. <laughs> That's what a heart mean. attack dump. Same yeah, it's like the same thing. I have no idea, right? I'm like, I just, I know I feel like crap. So um, there was no like specific localized pain. There. Nah, like my shoulder, my arms, then like my chest, like then my stomach. It was just like, uh, just, you know, a general feeling of like, I ate something that I probably shouldn't have, right? The, the steak. Yeah. Which, which is true to an extent over, over the course of 40 years. But, um, so I, I was having multiple baby. heart attacks and then went back to the hotel and I was like, I'm not sure if I'm going to wake up tomorrow. What do I do? Like, should I call an ambulance? I'm like, nah, I just, I'll just sleep it off. Genius, right? <laughs> Slept it off. Oh Woke up in the morning. I was feeling a little bit better. Walked the two blocks to my office and was starting to like work with my team and was really, it started to come back starting to feel like garbage. And I was supposed to fly home either that night or the next day in the morning. Wait, but did you ever take a dump that first night? <laughs> I don't remember. Because it, it, it still could have been the dump. Yeah. Could have been. up at this point. Could have been. <laughs> Are you um, sure it was a heart attack? I wasn't at the time, but, you know, and I, I still I still have my doubts to this day. Um, the open heart surgery and the, the, the experience after that would say that I did, but I, I honestly... You had surgery? Would, like open heart surgery for that? Yeah, yeah. So did like, crack you open? Yeah, I did. Oh, yeah, I did. I actually, actually... Wait, we're, we're getting ahead of ourselves. So, yeah, so, right. so you're walking in, into work and you're feeling it yeah, again. Yeah, feeling it. I felt day. it afterwards. So I just, I called uh, the, the airport and I booked an earlier flight. So instead of using the... The, 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 what is, I now know, world-class medical treatment that was several blocks away in Montreal, <laughs> I got on a plane, flew my ass home, and then drove myself to a crappy community hospital that was a mile from my house at home, right? And they did the surgery for you? No. No, they did not. <laughs> so, wait, wait, so how was the flight? Were, uh, the flight was okay miserable. Flight? So, so, so my wife and my sister-in-law, her sister, are both nurses. My sister-in-law is actually a cardiac nurse. So I called her. And I'm like, I don't know. I feel like crap. I don't know what this is. Maybe it's my heart or something. She's like, go get some aspirin. So I'm in the airport. You know, in Canada, you can get some really strong stuff over the counter that you can't get here. So I bought like this Canadian aspirin. Turns out that saved my life. If I had bought like American baby aspirin, I wouldn't have made the flight home. Wow. So the fact that I bought shit that's illegal here in the U.S. and the doctors, when I got to the hospital, were like, did you take anything? And I'm like, yeah, it's in my coat pocket. And they pull out like, where the hell did you get this? You can't buy this here. And it turns out that's what actually got me to, to survive long enough to get to the hospital. So wait, so that made the flight, the flight was smooth, no issues? No, nah, the, the flight was miserable. I was, I, was, I was feeling terrible the whole way on the flight. And I didn't want to be that guy like, ding, ding, is there a doctor on the flight? Like, you don't want to be the guy ringing the call bell. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, that'd be, you be a guy dying. Better, yeah. better to die. Yeah, yeah. 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 I figured there, there would have been, at least that would have made the news. Yeah, you got to man up. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I landed in Newark, drove myself to the hospital, and they found out very shortly. They're like, yeah, you, you've had multiple heart attacks. It looks like you're still struggling. So... They put me on... Um, Brian. Yes. 
what, what is multiple what does multiple mean two three or 23 i they don't i don't know i don't know uh, they, does it matter like they were like if you've been having you've been having a heart attack for it looks like three days <laughs> <laughs> so apparently it started before i even went to canada but i didn't know when you was know? the pain did so was it just this overall bad feeling or was yes. it ever like a you know, piercing, intense Never. pain. It was, it was, it, it was, it was intense, but it wasn't piercing. Mm. And it wasn't, it wasn't like local enough for me to go like, that's my heart. And you know, what's interesting is when I was in the hospital, I, I was in the hospital for a very long time because I had a lot of complications. I had quadruple bypass when the bypasses failed. Like it was a long stay. So I had a lot of roommates. I would ask the, every roommate the same question. Did you know that you were having a heart attack at the time? Nobody did. Everyone How thought it was indigestion. You were 43 or 46? I was 46. 46. Yeah. yeah. So, so my aunt's husband in Florida, uh, he woke up in the middle of the night and he was like uh, sweating. He's like, oh, you know, got up, felt kind of weird. And went, went to the kitchen, got me a glass of water, sat on the side of the bed for a while. And, and when he went for his physical, they told him he had a heart attack. And if he, if he wouldn't have woken up, he probably would have died. Why? They say that around that four o'clock area in the morning where you're the certain sleep cycle, if you stay, if you go to sleep through it, there's a, it's like the same statistic when they change the daylight savings and stuff that it happens at that time frame. So he didn't know. No, so he didn't know either. He just had yeah. like this, um, you know, like when you're cold, yeah. like that cold feeling on your, your body. And he's like, you know what? I should go to the doctors eventually. And I think he went like two or three weeks later. And they said, yeah, yeah two or three weeks. Had, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That, 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 I heard that so many times. Yeah. Other people. So, and it was always it was always the guys that had no clue. And he's the opposite. Like, so I have a crystal clean diet, thin, like, very could be hereditary, But so I don't know your history. Did you have a heart attack? Was it a hereditary thing, a genetic thing? Was it uh, lack of exercise, lack of eating healthy, all of the above? So it was a lot of it had to do with just the work, the stress of work. And because of that, my eating habits weren't great. Because of that, my my exercise habits were crap. Sleep right? probably so was sleep was terrible, right? Yeah. I was on an awful schedule. Um, you know, waking up in the middle of the night, panicking and grabbing, well, when we had Blackberries, like grabbing the Blackberry, right? And, and being like, I got to go. I have to check right, it because right, there's right. something. I know there's something wrong. So it took you four up. more years to say, I don't want to do this So anymore. that's the thing. I told myself I wasn't going back. You have to I, let the listeners know what a blackberry is. Some of those younger listeners may not know. They think it's, it's, really, it's like a blueberry, but it's darker. They're really sweet. They're really yeah. sweet. They taste great. They're bigger than raspberries. And they called it uh, a crackberry, black. too. Yeah, this would be it more was a crackberry. Before <laughs> your iPhones, that little it was, it was the freaking red light yeah, would start yeah. blinking, and you'd be like, God damn it, I have an email, and I have to check it, right? So, I got to stop that light. For, uh, for point of reference, it was a predecessor to the smartphone. It was the you know almost smartphone. Yeah. No, it was mostly smart. for emails. It was, it was mostly emails. It wasn't that smart. <laughs> I had three of them from where they, they were full blown well, smartphones. If you put them together, maybe they're smart. But well, they evolved, but it, yeah, the last one, the, the torch was a full. They were great, and I'll be honest, like I actually prefer that to what we have now yes. because, like that, all it was for me was email. You yeah. know, and you could use it as a phone, but really, I mean, come on, nobody uses a smartphone as a phone Brian, either. Brian, yeah, that, what about your ad adaptation? Like, let's go. You can't, you can't prefer the old stuff. Let's go. <laughs> well, that's why I didn't survive in advertising. I couldn't freaking adapt, man. <laughs> the dinosaur by the time I hit fifty. Um, yeah, I didn't. I didn't want to go back. Um, you know, I had a horrible experience in the hospital. First of all, just a word of advice. Like if you live anywhere near a university hospital or, or like a, a, a highly rated hospital, go there. Do not go to the community hospital if you feel like you're having some sort of emergency. Because it was, I they couldn't even draw blood correctly. I was the only person in history that really honestly thought that I went in for a heart attack, but I was going to die of stab wounds. Man. They, <laughs> they just could not freaking get the syringe in properly. It was ridiculous. And they were like addicted to the stupidest things, the nurses. You know, they check you. I'm in there for a heart attack, right? You know, like I, I've obviously got issues, right? Um, you know, they've got me on all these drips and stuff. All I really cared about was how much I peed that day, <laughs> right? Constantly. How much did you pee today? How much did you pee today? So, you know, the food sucks in hospitals. They had the gall to give me uh, lemon jello for dinner one night. Yellow jello. Who the hell wants yellow nice. jello? Don't they all so, taste the same? Uh, I don't know. Green. Now, green. Uh, yeah, the no, only no, green is, is green. 
So the yellow jello is the most disgusting thing on the planet. Well, I was getting pissed off at the nurses for coming in every five minutes. Have you peed? Have you peed? How much have you peed? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I didn't, you know where I'm going I with this. It. I took the yellow jello and I put it into the, you know, the pee thingy. <laughs> and I was like, nurse, I finally peed, but I think I'm dehydrated. You got to throw it up there. <laughs> she comes in. She freaks. She's like, I'll be right back. She runs out. Like nurses in. Runs out. I got like five nurses, six doctors piling into the room. The doctors looking at me like, you <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> but yeah, try not to go to the community hospital. How about Let's try not to go? That would be even better. I would suggest not having a heart attack yeah. in the first place. Uh, that's a good idea. Yeah, it sounds like I really should have thought of that. All right, um, keep keep. I want to hear. That. Yeah, so so I um after going through a, a pretty long ordeal, it took about seven months to get through it all. Cause like I said, I had a failed bypass. I like, you know, I had to go back in. I had multiple surgeries. Um, I decided, all right, well, I need to make some money. So I'm going to go back part-time. There's no such thing as part-time. So I went you back. Suck to, you in. Right. I went back to uh, my CEO and he's like, I would love to have you part-time. This would be great. And I was like, okay, but it's really part-time. He's like, okay, you don't have to manage Canada anymore. I'm like, you just got to manage New York. I'm like, great. <laughs> great. New York's easy, right? So, you know, I went right back into managing about, you know, 30, 40 people, you know, five or six clients, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of $100, $150 million budgets across the year. Um, there's no such thing as part-time. You know, it, when, when clients are spending that kind of money with you and you have those, that amount of people working for you, they all need your time. They have questions. You know, there are processes that need to be followed and you have to wait on other people constantly and what if that gets done on a Saturday morning? You've got to be there, got to be available. Um, so I ended up leaving that job once again saying, okay, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm going to go freelance. I was like, okay, I can actually name my hours now. I'm going to go freelance. Let's do 20 hours a week, 25 hours a week. Um, and I can name my price, which is fantastic, right? Um, the problem with freelance, it's very similar. It's a project that they give you to do. And they don't care how many hours it takes. You can tell them that you have, you know, 20, 25 hours a week. But if you're going to do this project and the project has a deadline, well, you're going to go but over you're, those But hours. you're making a lot of money. I was making very good money. But I was putting in full-time hours again. And I didn't want to do that. But I was doing it without the benefits of a 401k. I was doing it without all the, you know, the other benefits you get of a full-time job. No vacation, you know. Um, so I ended up going back into it. You know, I went and worked for the same parent company, but a different agency that I was with previously. Um, you need that gift of, but they keep pulling me back in. <laughs> Essentially, that's no what way. was happening. Steve, you got well, the last one, one. In the last one, he, he pulled himself back in. <laughs> so I did. I did. Um, and I was only there for about two years. Uh, and as soon as I got there, I knew it was a mistake. Day one. Well, looked around there was nobody other than the the principals of the company were over 40 i mean i was reporting to people that were in the early 30s um most of my team um were significantly younger than me and they were way more advanced than me when it came to the use of technology um you know technology is running everything now everything's big data and it's the manipulation of that data and then um using that data and algorithms to target people in very scary ways um yeah your phones are listening mm -hmm. to you they really are um you know the I was ethically more and more opposed to what was happening from a data usage standpoint and targeting standpoint um and I was also just ill-informed as to how it all worked and when you're reporting when you when you when you have people who are 20 25 years younger than you and they know more than you about the technology and you walk up to them and say I, I, can you teach me they're intimidated mm -hmm. right you've got the big fancy title you've you know you got the office with the view for for whatever reason they're just not they're just not as open to teaching you as you you, you would think you know they expect you to know all these things is intimidated the right word or just frustrated. Like, yeah. look at this old dinosaur. Like, I don't want to waste my time teaching him all this yeah, stuff. Yeah, here's but. a cane in a wheelchair, old man. Right. I think that's a great example of the old uh, blacksmith and cobbler lessons that they could have learned. Exactly. It really is that, that scenario. Um, so it, the industry was just passing me by anyway. Um, and the stresses of it were just far too great. I knew I was heading down the same path um, with my health again. And uh, turned 50 and... That's it. I'm out. So what um, is this new 
business you're doing? So um, advertising on its own, freelance. No, actually. <laughs> so I decided I wanted to open up a business, but I don't know anything about running a business. Right. And I don't know what business to open. So I met with a coach who was taught who has contracts with over 250 franchises all around North America. Right. Everything from pet grooming to nail salons to uh, window washing to. I thought you going to tell me something like McDonald's. No, no, no. These are all like the smaller businesses yeah. that really don't have the huge marketing budgets, but you interact with them every day. Right. Like you go to an auto body shop, like a Jiffy Lube or whatever, like all that stuff. Those are franchises that, that he has contracts with over 250 of them. Um, so he set me up to meet with a bunch of franchises, some that were going to be startups somewhere. It was somebody retiring, wanting to sell their business. And I met with a bunch of them. They were all very appealing, but I actually developed an interesting relationship with the coach who was actually helping me find the right franchise. How did you get this coach? the magic of LinkedIn. Oh, you looked for somebody. Found so they found me. Hmm. They saw that I was open to work. Um, so they found me. Um, it was actually his, one of his virtual assistants from the Philippines that found me um, and connected me to him. So we, we'd been talking about all these different business opportunities. I had been meeting with, um, you know, different owners. I'd been meeting with different franchise developers. And the more and more I was having conversations with the coach, the more the idea of being a coach became appealing to me and helping to find people. Cause that's what was keeping me in advertising for so long was being a coach, right? Being a mentor. Couldn't do that anymore. Cause the technology had passed me by. Now I was begging to be taught and be mentored by like a 23 year old right out of college. But um, here's where I can actually add value, right? Here's where I can actually still mentor and coach people. But you know, now I am going to become a coach. I'm, I'm becoming a, uh, a a business owner of my own. Um, so with these, this concepts. is a franchise in itself. It is okay. So it is. You're going to be coaching people for advertising, just in life. No, I'm going to be coaching people to open new businesses. So you're going to do what we're doing on the, our podcast, but individually with people. Individually with people, I'm going to be taking middle-aged people who are aging out of their lifelong careers and teaching them to own their own business. So teach them how to do it and what business to do. You're, you're kind of sort of like a, uh, matching them to a particular franchise that Correct. you feel is best suited for them and they feel is best suited for them. Yes. So Brian, are, are you just doing the matching or are you actually coaching them on how to do it? Because if we, if we were asking the hard questions, we'd say you've never done it. So what, what are you actually doing? So there is a, a coaching process that you go through that helps define, uh, you know, you take personality tests. So you'll, you'll guide people through these personality tests. You'll guide them through um, understanding what their strengths are, what their skills are that are transferable. Um, and then you go through a long process of talking them through all the different franchise opportunities that are either geographically relevant um, to them that match their history, their skill set, their personas that where you think they would most likely succeed. And then you are actually matching them to owners, to franchise developers, um, to actually talk to them and, and, and hopefully invest in a business. But in addition to the, the real world experience that you have, aren't there any additional credentials uh, or training you need to be able to administer these tests and, and, and get these matches? Yes, I actually am going for a 90-day uh, a training cycle, and it is ongoing, obviously, but I have to go through a 90-day training cycle before I am a fully accredited coach, and that's going to start in July. Congratulations. That's, you know, the key is, you know, you kept saying that you started it, and, you know, 25 and a half you were trying to get out. Yeah. You know, hopefully this is something that fulfills you, because I have to say, even though I'm mechanically inclined and where I work— there's always that thing in the back of my mind, I should be doing something else. Mm -hmm. And I never actually know what that is. It's, you can hire him as a coach. Thing. He'll tell you. Yeah. <laughs> so with your experience of 26 years in, in marketing and advertising, and then the 25 and a half of trying to get out, in terms of younger listeners, if they're listening, what life lessons that you've learned would you pass on to someone else and say, this is something you need to keep in mind. This is something you want to be mindful of. If it's not on your radar, you're not thinking about, you should be thinking about this. A couple of things. One is, to me, I boil it down to two things to be successful in anything you do. And I, I mentioned it before, ambition and curiosity. 
right? If you have both of those things, you will be successful no matter what path you choose, right? The challenge is maintaining those two things at a pretty high rate, right? Once you start to lose your ambition or your curiosity or both, it's time to make a move. I had lost that a long time ago, but I just didn't have the cojones to actually make the move. So it's hard right. to give up a good paying job. Right. It is. In, in retrospect, do you think you should have split six months into the advertising gig? Or now, or in retrospect, are you happy because you got a big pile of dough and you have the opportunity to do some things that you want? So it has afforded me a pretty good lifestyle. So I can't deny that. Um, but knowing what I know now about starting a new business, I wish I had started many, many years ago, many years ago. I didn't know that there were other options out there that you can do without having a pile of cash to sit on, right? You know, I... But, but the challenge doing that at 22, 25, you, you don't have the life experience. No matter what industry or career you're in, there's something to be said about just, just going through it and experiencing ups and downs and challenges and, and problems and, and working through that. You just don't have that at but you wouldn't experience that in your own business? You absolutely would, but you wouldn't necessarily have the tool set to resolve those issues if you hadn't been through it under another employer where it really doesn't count or you have somebody else has your back. But you, you know, don't have Adam, to go I into think, business um, by yourself either. Um, I also have an a interesting discussion I had the other day with a neighbor, um, high school kid who's, you know, approaching college age. And I said, Hey, what are you going to be doing? And he said, he's going to be doing finance. And I said, where are you going to school? And he said, Oh, I'm not going to go to school. I'm going to start my own business. And I said, well, what are you going to do? And his answer was power wash houses. Right. So in his mind, in his mind, being his own owner of a business was finance, right? He's, he's going to do his own thing, make his own money. Um, the job was actually just the means, right? Um, but it's not the perspective that most people have, you know, when they think about it. And like when you guys said, what Adam was just saying, what Brian was just saying, you know, having the experience to go start a business, like maybe you don't need it. Right. Maybe, maybe we just think you do. Maybe we just don't, you know, we're all too chicken to do it because our parents didn't do it and our friends didn't do it. And we didn't get to watch anybody else do it. Um, so it just seems like this foreign thing. I have a question. Cause you, you all come from different backgrounds, but we've got at least two of your engineers, right? I don't know. Well, I think only one of us actually still, right, right. When at least, at least pretending to be yeah. an engineer. Okay. Raise well, then right, for, right. For, 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 I guess for, for all of you, when you got out of college and you had a profession in mind or you were trained in a profession, how proficient were you day one at the job? Were you firing on all cylinders? Well, no. let me, it's a complicated answer. So my the first day, my work day probably started at 8 a.m. At 7.59, I, I knew everything, of course. <laughs> By about 8.02, 180 degrees. I didn't know shit. <laughs> but I did have a toolbox that would help me figure everything out and eventually get there. Now, if you were to come out of school, or, or instead of going to school, you went four or five years of school, that's a hell of an investment. If you had taken that money and bought, uh, let's go back to 1941 when you graduated college. <laughs> yes. And you bought a Dunkin' Donuts with that money because it was affordable at that time, right? You don't know shit about running a Dunkin' Donuts, but it's a franchise and it has a system that you will be trained in and you could follow. How would that have been different? It's a toolbox, right? It's this, you know, the same level of investment, but you can learn and grow over time with that as well. Like, I don't know that there's a huge difference in terms of, you know, the model for learning and the model for like, you know, growing that life experience. I think the only it's thing is just in that a different angle. It's a fair getting, point. Getting the money. The only thing in that example. We can get a loan the same. It's not the same way of college, you know, well, you're not parents, as easy. Uh, I don't know what business loan is not as easy as college, but getting a loan when you're 20 or 18 years old is not going to be easy. right. Yeah. But it's, but it's also a cultural thing, right? If you were to tell your parents when you were 17 in, in high school and said, hey, I want to borrow $80,000 to buy a Dunkin' Donuts instead of 20000 a year for the next four years to go to college, like most parents would just say, you're crazy, you're going to college, right? We'll pay for your college, but I won't pay for the Dunkin' Donuts. So I, I think, Brian, it's a great question and a great point. 
that culturally, at least in this country, people just don't lean that way. And it makes it that much harder to do that, whether it's get money from your parents, borrow from us to borrow from somewhere else. It yeah. just, it just doesn't work that right. Right. There's, you know, this, and Ray, I think you, you use college tuition numbers from 1941 also. So thanks for staying with the, the theme. Um, well, but yeah. we're also assuming, or, or we should acknowledge the difficulty in getting a loan, the, the luck that very few people have of parents being able to fund something. And it comes back to that discipline we talked about that, yeah, in your 20s, in your late teens, it's hard. You got to make sure your income is greater than what you're spending and piling up that, that first pot of gold that you can invest with is hard work and there's sacrifice. And there's, there's, there's really no way around it because even if you get a loan, okay, well now you're under pressure to pay that back plus interest. Mm -hmm. And in yeah, 1941, it, it loans were like 12%. <laughs> I think, I think, yeah, it's, okay, go ahead, go ahead, Ray. Sorry. It's, it's also counterintuitive, right? When you're in your 20s is when you should be taking risks, starting businesses, doing all these things, because if you fail, kind of doesn't matter, right? You don't have kids waiting for you. You don't have a house maybe or whatever, right? You're, you're low on the pole of risk. You go bankrupt really early. Um, but, not, nothing to worry about. It doesn't matter, right? So there's a lot lower, there's a lot less impediments at that time, right? You're not worried about it. You know, if you quit your job when you're 35 and you've got kids in a house and mortgage and all that stuff, well, then you've got all those things to deal with while you quit your job to start the, to buy the Dunkin' Donuts, right? So, you know, I think it's, um, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. We, we're, we're just not brought up with the mindset to do those things, even though maybe you should. One of the most important questions you're going to get, and we're going to end with this one is, um, would you rather never have to sleep or be able to teleport? <laughs> <laughs> teleport. It's, it's an easy one, right? Yeah. 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 S sleep is so underrated. That is the correct answer. <laughs> well done. We yeah. all said, yeah. well, except from one, we all said the same thing. Well, yeah, you didn't say that. I, I said it, it would give me an unfair advantage. You had mentioned the temptation. For and, and, and nobody thinks that way. He thought it would corrupt him. <laughs> oh, that, yeah. <laughs> I'm impressed by that answer, Adam. <laughs> well, All right. Personally, All right. I want to I take the time and thank you. You know, um, we really appreciate when people stop by. They got a lot more things they could be doing. So we thank you for taking time of your busy schedule and giving us your insight. I've learned a lot. Yeah. The feedback was yeah. great. Yes. Thank you for listening to the Attic Static Podcast. If you like what you heard, please like and subscribe and feel free to leave a comment below or come check us out at our website at addictstaticpod.com and stay tuned for new episodes out every Monday.